Father, we pray that you do that for each one of us this morning, that, uh, Father, we're here because we know that on our own we, we don't know what we're doing, on our own we can't do this, we would be lost and wandering around, we'd easily uh, make a mess of things, and so we come each week because we know we need you, we know we need your strength, uh, we know we need your help. We know we need your guidance. And so, Father, that's why we come to your word right now, is because we know we need your, your wisdom and guidance in our lives. We, we need to hear you speak to us. And so, Father, we pray that you would do that this morning, that you would speak, um, and that you'd speak clearly and powerfully to each one of us this morning. And all of the different things that could be going on this morning that, that could prevent us from hearing what you have to say, Father, we just pray, push all those things off to the side uh, because we really, truly want to hear you speak. And so we ask that you would do that this morning. We pray that you would open our ears to hear, our eyes to see, and our hearts to receive what you have to say to us this morning. And all God's people said, Amen. We're working through John still, so if you have your Bibles with you, you can turn to John chapter 7. We're looking at verses 14 through 24. Um, If you don't have your Bibles with you, it will be up on the screen as well. Not until halfway through the feast did Jesus go up to the temple courts and begin to teach. The Jews were amazed and asked, How did this man get such learning without having studied? Jesus answered, My teaching is not my own. It comes from him who sent me. If anyone chooses to do God's will, he will find out whether my teaching comes from God or whether I speak on my own. He who speaks on his own does so to gain honor for himself, but he who works for the honor of the one who sent him is a man of truth. There's nothing false about him. Has not Moses given you the law, yet none of you keeps the law? Why are you trying to kill me? You're demon-possessed, the crowd answered. Who's trying to kill you? Jesus said to them, I did one miracle, and you're all astonished. Yet, because Moses gave you circumcision, though actually it didn't come from Moses, but from the patriarchs, you circumcise a child on the Sabbath. Now, if a child can be circumcised on the Sabbath so that the law of Moses may not be broken, why are you angry with me for healing the whole man on the Sabbath? Stop judging by mere appearances and make a right judgment. I promise I'm not going to start every sermon looking back to my early days as a preacher, but... Um, Every time I'm preparing a sermon, I keep remembering all of these different stories uh, of when I started off preaching, and and it just kind of helps me, uh, I don't know, I feel like it it helps us understand some of what's going on in the passage, but also um, in the world around us. And, you know, especially when you're a a young preacher, you really don't know what you're doing, um, you have have a lot of people kind of coming up and giving you you guidance, Um, and that's not a bad thing. And uh, I think I've mentioned here before how it was, it was very early on in my ministry. I had one of my leaders came up to me after I had preached, and he said, you know, Jason, that was Scripture light. 
you need to make sure that when you're preaching, you rely much more heavily on God's word. And I went, oof, you're right. And it changed. It changed the whole course of my life and ministry. I had, I had other leaders approach me, approach me once, and they're like, okay, Jason, hear us out. You need to change something about how you're preaching because you look like you're a caged lion up there. You're like pacing all over the stage, and you're really getting wound up, and you just need to calm down. And really underneath that, they were saying, you're not really being yourself. You're trying to be something you're not. Just preach. And again, changed the kind of course of my life, ministry. Um, a while later, I had someone approach me with something. It was, it was kind of interesting. They, they, they came up to correct me, and they said, you know what, you're preaching with way too much authority. And they said, recognize, you're just a young man. You haven't been through seminary. You haven't been trained. You haven't been equipped you should not talk that way. You should not speak with such authority. And it was kind of like, who do you think you are? And I, I was kind of confused, and I remember saying, did I say something wrong? No. Did I lead somebody astray? No. Did I twist something? No. You just shouldn't say things with such confidence because you haven't been trained. Okay. But what's interesting, this is, you'll kind of catch this theme. So I had, I, I left that conversation, was like, okay. Um, and then somebody else came up to me and they were just excited, like, oh, we just love that you preach with so much confidence and authority and all. I'm like, okay, what did I say? Uh, uh, the question was, what did I say that made you think I spoke with such confidence and boldness and, and authority? Like, what were the words? And they Basically, they said, oh, you said, and then they just quoted God's word. <laughs> and I said, notice, it actually wasn't me. <laughs> um, it's not about me and how I preach with boldness or confidence or authority. That you felt that authority because I was just trying to teach you God's word. It, it, it's not me. The, the authority doesn't lie in me. The, the, your confidence shouldn't lie in me. The power and the authority and our confidence comes from God's word. You know, and, and I, I find great comfort, especially as a young pastor, um, when Jesus is getting kind of some of the same critiques, same rebukes, right? Because he, it's that we read about the middle of the feast, he went up to the temple and he began teaching. And the Jews marveled, saying, how is it this man as learning when he's never studied? Um, and before we, before we dive into that further, I always try to make sure we, we don't get disconnected from the storyline that we've been following. Because, you know, this is a story, it's written this way. And remember last week we talked about how Jesus' brothers had come to him and they were, they were trying to give him some ministry advice. Like, if you want to get a lot of followers, Jesus, go into Jerusalem, do some signs and miracles, and everybody's going to follow you. And Jesus said, no, I, I'm actually not going to follow your will and your plan. I'm going to do everything according to God's will, God's plan, God's timing. So eventually he does go to the feast, but he doesn't go the way his brothers wanted him to go. It says he went privately. But then here we read he also went and he did what? He taught. And, and I just want to emphasize, I don't want to hang on that a long time, but I think we, we sometimes lose the fact that one of the primary things that Jesus did 
was teach. It was everywhere he went, he would go someplace and he would teach. We'd say, as was his practice, he went into the synagogue and taught. And, and he got in a lot of trouble for his teaching. But that was just, Jesus, one of the core things of who he is and was, was a teacher. And the Jewish leaders didn't really like his teaching. It says they marveled, saying, how is it that this man has learning when he's never studied? And, and the interesting thing is, is in, in the midst of the context and in the midst of the book and everything, they're not marveling at him saying, wow. This guy is really smart. He's really well-read. We should probably listen to him and follow him. It's more of a, who is this joker? He hasn't. He hasn't studied like we have. I mean, we are the Jewish leaders. Like, we have trained under rabbis, and we have trained and studied tradition. And who does this guy think he is? He's some backwoods hick. Blue-collar. He's a woodworker. He doesn't know anything. Like, who does he think he is to speak like this? And Jesus says, well, teaching's not mine. uh, But it's his who sent me. And I want to make sure we understand, like, when Jesus is saying this, he's not trying to kind of distance himself from the Father or distance himself from the Father's teaching uh, he says it this way because he's speaking to a group of people that don't actually believe he and the Father are one. Right? He's speaking to a group of people who don't believe he is who he says he is. And so when they're saying, who do you think you are? Why do you speak with such authority? And, and he says, well, the authority is because I'm speaking the word of God. That's all I'm speaking. I'm speaking, teaching you the word of God the word that these leaders so say they love and follow and study. He says, I'm just speaking that to you. Um, it's what, this was in my mind as I was talking to all these various people. Like, I, I'm just trying to speak the word of God. Um, and the authority actually has nothing to do with me. Um, the authority is all about God's word. That's where the power is. That's where the authority is. That's where our confidence is. Um, and and that, that's important because that's true for, for all of us, not just the pastor. Um, I, I don't want anybody to think, well, just because you're, you know, I've spent, you spent years studying or whatever, that, that you have more like power and authority and confidence. No, you, you do too. And, you know, there, there is some wisdom. I hope you'll notice sometimes I, won't, I don't speak authoritatively about everything because there's some things we just don't understand. We're just unsure about. There are some things that are kind of confusing and we can't figure things out. And on things that we're unsure about, like let's talk about it. Let's try to figure it out. We can even maybe agree to disagree on certain things. But when God's word speaks clearly on something, very clearly on something, then me or you or anybody can speak authoritatively, confidently, boldly that this is true. Because the God of the universe is the one who said it's true. And so, you know, there's, there's been these p- 
periods of time throughout history where, where people have kind of tried to look at pastors and teachers and say like, well, they're the really smart ones. They can speak authoritatively about this, but I can't. And that's never been good in the history of the church. And so it's important for everybody to realize like you can speak authoritatively and confidently and boldly about God's word because it's, it's clear. And the authority that you use has nothing to do with you. Even like the, the authority and boldness of which when I preach has nothing to do with me. If this was all ideas coming up in my own head, I would not speak so authoritatively. But I have confidence that this is what God has said. And so we can speak it and so can you. And you don't have to be afraid to do that. You don't have to be apologetic to do that or even ashamed. You can just... Speak it and be confident. And Jesus, as he interacts with these teachers, he goes on, he starts to explain why, why people kind of miss some of that. There's there certain things that can actually blind us from seeing, seeing reality, seeing truth. He says, if anyone's will is to do God's will, he will know whether the teaching is from God or whether I'm speaking on my own authority. You know, and this, this statement kind of points in two different directions. One direction we're going to get to later. But on the one hand, Jesus is saying, teaching people, like, how do you actually begin to recognize what teaching is true and what teaching comes from God, right? Um, he teaches that, but he's also teaching the opposite of, like, what, what's going on when we're blinded to recognizing God's truth or recognizing whether something comes from God, and he says, we're blinded to truth and we're blinded to seeing what teaching comes from God when we're praying, my will be done. Not, as Jesus taught us to pray, thy will be done. Right? Or if we want to take the Heidelberg Catechism, we're blinded to the reality of God's word and truth when we give God back talk <laughs> for doing his own, his will. Um, Jesus says, when, when you do that, when you live and interact in the world as if it's my way or the highway, and it's my will be done, and, and if I don't get it my way, and if things don't happen the way I want it to, to heck with God, to heck with anybody else, Jesus says, if that's how you live, you will never be able to tell which teaching is from God or what teaching is from the world. You'll be blinded to the reality. And Jesus says, you'll actually, you won't even be able to see me rightly because it's all about you and your will. And then he gives a second thing that happens too. He says, the one who speaks on his own authority seeks his own glory. But the one who seeks the glory of him who sent him is true. And in him, there's no falsehood. And so Jesus, he's, setting, he's teaching about himself. He's saying, hey, I'm not necessarily speaking from my own authority. I'm speaking from the authority of the Father. I'm not seeking my glory. I'm seeking the glory of the Father. But he's also looking out at the Jewish leaders who are angry at him. And he's saying, you know why you guys don't recognize what's happening here? It's because you're seeking your own glory. 
You're making it all about you. You, you don't want to speak about someone else's authority because if you, if you give that person authority over there, you think you're getting rid of your own authority and that means you're losing your own glory. So now you have to just kind of make up your own stuff and try to show everybody that like you're really smart and you're really a big deal and you're all of these things because you want people to look at you and go, wow, he's really smart. He's really a big deal. And Jesus says, because they've been living that way, they're blind. They, they can't see reality. They can't see Jesus for who he is, and they can't recognize God's teaching. And, and what Jesus does is he's actually bringing these two things together. He's, they're not actually different. It's not different to say, on the one hand, I want my will to be done, and over here to say, I want all the power and authority and the glory to go to me. Jesus is saying, guess what? It's the same thing. To say, I want my will to be... Why would you think your will should be done? Well, Because you think you're pretty smart, <laughs> you're pretty glorious, and you know what's best. So, I want all the glory to come to me, right? Or, or why would you, if you want all the glory to come to you, then everybody's got to listen to you and do your thing and, and all that. And so these things are the same. To, to go through life proudly saying, I know what's best. I'm the smartest. I want the glory. And I want my way. It's all the same thing. And Jesus says, and when you live that way, you end up being blind. And you miss it. You can't understand God's word. You don't see who Jesus is rightly. And uh, you don't even recognize what is true any, anymore. And, and he actually goes on to start kind of laying this out, showing these, uh, these Jewish leaders examples of their own blindness. He gets them really riled up. But he says, has not Moses given you the law? Yet none of you keeps the law. Why do you seek to kill me? I'll get to that, why do you seek to... Because that seems like it kind of comes out of, out of nowhere. But, but there's a really good reason for that. But, but the first thing he's pointing out to them is he's looking out at the leaders and saying, you're blind. You claim to love the law. But none of you keep the law. Not one. None of them. They all think they do. They think they keep the law, but, but he says, not a single one of you keeps the law. And, and to kind of connect this with everything that Jesus has said, he's looking out at the Pharisee, or not just the Pharisees, the Jewish leaders, and he's saying, you're blind to this, why? Because you keep the law for your own authority, for your own will, and for your own glory. So you're blind. You're not, you're not keeping the law for God's glory because you trust him, because you honor him. You're not doing any of that. You're doing it for you. You want everybody to look at you and say, wow, look at them. They're, they're a really cool leader. They're like the best of Christians. They're, and all the glory is being pointed at them. And so Jesus says, because of that, you're blind. And you don't even recognize that not a single one of you keeps the law. And that's why he says... Why do you seek to kill me? He's saying, and they, they blindly reply by, you have a demon. Like, who's seeking to kill you? But, but we just read the Jews were seeking to kill him, <laughs> right? So, so they, they were seeking to kill him. 
And, and Jesus says, so now show, tell me, why, why are you trying to kill me? And they're like, you're crazy, you're crazy. And, and Jesus just kind of ignores that. I, I just love, he just kind of, like, whatever, just moves on. But, but here's why he, that comes out of the blue. He's pointing out to them that they're breaking the law. I mean, think about what's going on. They're seeking to attack Jesus because they're angry at him because he broke the law in their mind. And to word that a different way, they're seeking to break the law in order to punish someone who broke the law. You get that? They're, they're, they're plotting to murder an innocent man to punish him for breaking the law. It's, it's craziness, and that's why Jesus points this out. He said, none of you keeps law. You're trying to kill me right now. And you're blind to it. You, you, just, you don't see it. And so he's pointing out, he's saying, they're, they're blind hypocrites. And, and then he goes on, he brings up this other incident that, that happened recently. The reason why they're seeking to kill him. He said, I did one work. You all marvel at it. Moses gave you circumcision, not that it's from Moses, but from the fathers, and you circumcise a man on the Sabbath. If on the Sabbath a man receives circumcision, so that the law of Moses may not be broken, are you angry with me because of on the Sabbath I made a man's whole body well? Now, what he's, he's pointing back to that incident, I don't remember how long, it was a long, a long, quite a few weeks ago, but where he healed the paralytic on the Sabbath and told him to pick up his mat and walk, right? Because that was the moment we read that they said, we need to kill this man. Over that instant. That's when they decided they were going to kill him. And so Jesus says, okay, so you're angry at me for healing a man on the Sabbath, telling him to pick up his bed and walk? And he says, but you guys, you guys are always doing work on the Sabbath. You're circumcising children all the time. I mean, think about how many Jews there were, how many kids were probably being circumcised all the time. He says, you're, you're doing that on the Sabbath all the time. And here's what Jesus is pointing out. Again, he's pointing out that they're, they're kind of, they have a foolish understanding of things. Uh, but he is pointing out that, like, understanding the law is, is complicated, right? Because Moses commanded both. On the one hand, Moses said, do not work on the Sabbath, right? Honor the Sabbath, keep it holy. You've got six days to work on the seventh, don't work. And on the other hand, he said, on the eighth day, circumcise your children, your male, the male children, on the eighth day. And the Jews quickly realized, sometimes that eighth day landed on the Sabbath, and it's like a catch-22. They're like, we're going to have to break one of these. Which one are we going to break? And they actually figured things out. They worked through a process of trying to figure out how to understand all of this and be faithful to God. And one, here's one commentator was kind of explaining how they, how they understood that. He said, Jewish thinkers of about this time argued on the basis of the precedents of eighth-day circumcision, right? So they're saying circumcision had went back, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, had some level of precedence. So they said that, therefore, any necessary act of mercy could be lawfully performed on the Sabbath. Okay, I'm just going to stop, right? So, so their own teaching said, on the Sabbath, if there's a necessary act of mercy that needs to be done, you can do that, right? That's why Jesus eventually says, like, if you see a donkey falling in a well, you're going to save the donkey on the Sabbath. You're not going to... So if there's a necessary act of mercy, you're, they're able to do that. And so that's why they said, 
Well, circumcision is kind of this necessary act of mercy that was commanded of us. So, so circumcision was viewed as a perfecting rite. One member of the body was perfected and had to be perfected on the eighth day, right? So they said circumcision was an act of mercy. It was a work of God. And so, of course, an act of mercy and a work of God could be done on, on the Sabbath. That makes sense. And so Jesus' point is, okay, if you're okay with that, how much more then must an act be undertaken, even on the Sabbath, if it perfects the whole body, if it saves a life? Like, like he, again, he's pointing out some of their hypocrisy. He said, you guys are fine with doing a work of God on, on the Sabbath, doing circumcising a child, doing an act of healing in a way they saw it as, but now you're angry when a greater work of God is done on the Sabbath? A greater work of healing, uh, uh, the salvation. Like this man was not only saved; he was saved body and soul. He was raised, able to walk again, and his soul was brought back. And you're angry at me about this? And he's pointing out again: um, you're blind hypocrites. Now he doesn't explicitly call them that here, but. As we get into John, Jesus explicitly talks to the Jewish leaders and says, you guys are blind hypocrites. Um, here's how he says it here, though. He says it the same thing in a different way. He says, do not judge by appearances, but judge with right judgment. He's, saying, he's looking out at the leaders saying, you guys aren't seeing things rightly. You're not seeing things accurately. You're not judging things Rightly, all you're seeing is things from the outside. And, and to tie this back to everything he said, you're only seeing it from the outside because you're seeking your own glory, your own will, your own authority. And so you're, you're not seeing things right. You're blinded to it. You don't recognize what's going on. Which is another way of saying you're blind hypocrites. That's, that's why they don't recognize that that healing was a miraculous work of God. And it was completely in line with God's will and God's law. That's why when Jesus teaches, they don't recognize that Jesus' teaching is God's very word because they've been blinded, because they're seeking their own authority, their own will, their own glory. That's why they're trying to kill Jesus. They don't really see who he is. They don't understand who he is because they're seeking their own power, authority, glory. So Jesus says... Judge with right judgment. See. Open your eyes and see things rightly. And I think that's what Jesus is telling us. Like that's, that's the application for us from this message. He's looking out at each one of us and saying, judge with right judgment. To say that a little harsher, don't be a blind hypocrite. And he's laid out the path for us not to be a blind hypocrite in the world. He says, stop seeking your own authority. Stop seeking your own will. Stop seeking your own glory. Because if you do those things, you'll be blind. You'll be a hypocrite. And you won't see things rightly. You won't understand Jesus. You won't understand God's word. And you won't actually judge with right judgment. And another way to understand that is... Start off by praying the Lord's Prayer. Your kingdom come, says what? Not my authority, not my kingdom, but your authority. You're the boss. 
I trust you. You say something, I'm going to do it. I'm not going to back talk. I'm not going to mouth off. You, you tell me not to do something, I'm not going to do it. You tell me to do something, I'm going to do it. You tell me to say something, I'm going to say it because you're the king. I trust you, and I'm going to follow you. You have authority. Which means we don't get to come into the Bible and say, well, I don't like that. Because now you're putting yourself in authority over God's word. And guess what? You try to do that, you don't see it rightly. You don't see it accurately. You miss the whole point. Because now you've put yourself in a place of authority over it. And so, so if you do that, if you try to put yourself in authority over God's word, he says you will be a blind hypocrite. You won't judge rightly. And you won't see Jesus for who he truly is. Jesus says, next part of the Lord's Prayer. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We have to pray that. We have to live that. Not, I want my way or else. It's more of us saying, not only are you my king, but you're my loving father and I trust you. And I want you to do what's right because you're way smarter than me. (laughs) If I get my will, I know I'm going to mess it all up and I'm going to just cause a ton of problems. And so, Lord, don't let my will be done. Help my will be in alignment with your will so that I can live that out. But if you come in it from the other way and you say, no, my way or the highway, God, Jesus says, you'll go through life like a blind hypocrite. You won't judge rightly. You won't see Jesus rightly. You won't understand rightly. The other part of the Lord's Prayer, we need to pray and we need to live, hallowed be your name, which just means, God, I want all glory and honor and praise to go to you, not to me. And it's this recognition that any good thing we have is not our own. If you're good at music, and if you're good at preaching, and if you're good at working, and if you're good at whatever, if you're good at, it's not really something you're good at, you just do breathing, where did it come from? God. So what are you bragging about? So you say, I don't want that glory. I want the one who gave me all of this to receive the glory and the honor and the praise. That's that's the point. And Again, if you switch into the other side of it and you go, I'm kind of a big deal. Like, I'm really smart. I'm a hard worker. I can get things done. I can do this and do that. Everybody should recognize how good and smart I am. Jesus says, no, now you're going to be a blind hypocrite. You're going to miss the point. You're not going to judge with right judgment. You're going to miss it. Um, and you're not going to see who I am rightly. You're not going to understand my word. And, and I didn't notice until this week as I was writing this sermon how all of this f- perfectly fits. How do we end the Lord's Prayer? Yours is the kingdom. Yours is the power. And yours is the glory. Forever and ever, amen. That's exactly what we're talking about. And that's how we're called to live. Say, no, not my power, your power. Not my authority, your authority. Not my kingdom, your kingdom. Your, not my glory, your glory. Forever and ever. And we're called to live that way. And when we do, we're told our eyes are opened. We see. We see Jesus for who he is. We see God's word for who he is. And we don't live with 
this blind, hypocritical life, but we live with our eyes wide open. And you know why? Because that phrase is describing true faith. It's only with a true faith that we can say, your kingdom come, your will be done, not my own. Your glory, not my own. That's, you can only do that with a true faith. And when you have that kind of a true faith, then, Jesus says, then you judge with right judgment. Then you, you see things accurately, and then you see Jesus for who he really is, and you go, I know you. I trust you. I believe in you. I'm going to follow you. I want your will to be done. I want your kingdom to become, and I want to become. I want your kingdom to come, and I want you to receive all the glory and the praise and the honor forever and ever. All God's people said. Let's come to God in prayer. Heavenly Father, um, we come to you, I would say, recognizing our own frailty and weakness. um, And our own frailty and weakness to think that we're actually bigger and smarter and better than we actually are. Father, you remind us that we are dust. And our life is a breath, a blip of smoke. And yet we live and act like we are the be-all, end-all of existence and eternity. So, Father, we come to you and we confess. We confess that every one of us in this room has lived for our own authority, has lived for our own will, and has lived for our own glory. And we confess that to you, Lord. We're, We're sorry for trying to put ourselves in your position, trying to act like we're a bigger deal and not recognizing who we are and who you are. So, Father, we we confess that to you and we ask that you would forgive us. And we're thankful that we can come before you knowing that if we seek, if we repent, if we seek forgiveness in you by faith, you will forgive us and you will heal us. And Father, we want more than just forgiveness, so we want that healing. We want your spirit to come in and move in our lives and move in our hearts and move in our minds so that we can actually judge with right judgment, so we can see ourselves rightly and see you rightly and see Jesus rightly and live in this world rightly. And so, Father, send your spirit and restore us and renew us and shape us so that we would live in this world for your authority in your will, and for your glory. And all God's people said, Amen.